Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor, Sync Cloud, and it's available in the cloud. Where's it available, Paul? <laughs> the cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor to name, but a few and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Well, this week um, we've got a great guest on, haven't we, Paul? Who we got this week? We've got uh, Spencer Locker. Um, Spencer is Senior Consultant at Trans2 Performance. Welcome, Spencer. Hi. Um, prior to uh, Spencer being at Trans2 Performance, he was Tutor Assessor, tutor assessor at Echo Centre of Excellence. Um, before that, Specialist Industrial Officer at the Ministry of Defence. Just, just, Instructional. Just, 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 Instructional. Just, just let's get Spencer okay, up to speed before you go. Go Spence is a bit like um, remember Dato off um, fantasy football. Stato, 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 Stato yeah, yeah. He, he's a bit like that. So he, he just goes with like a rocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never seen him get this right once, <laughs> um, but he's getting better. He's, he's a work in yeah, progress, hey, Spence. Okay. So, so we'll just have we got anything wrong up to now? We'll yeah, on. you said industrial officer, and it's an instructional officer. There you go. There you go. Look at what I mean. One hey, job. Hey. One job. Oh, man, it says instruction. <laughs> I can't read. What else you got then? <clears throat> if you let me carry on. Sorry, Spence. Let's, let's let him carry on. Right. Um, before, then Spencer was a mechanical engineer instructor. Um, prior to that, it was resistance to interrogation, combined services. And then, obviously, the one... Um, I'm intrigued to hear about as well. Um, he's currently in the SES Who Dares Wins programme on Channel 4. And we was having a d- debate, Spence, in yeah. terms of, right? And it's yeah. quite interesting because um, I got to know you because I was sharing a bit of office space when I were you guys at a point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And other bits. And I'd not really watched much of SES Who Dares Wins, if mm. I'm honest, right? Yeah. And I got to know you really well. Yeah. And then I watched you on SES with a wife. Yeah. And is it inter- is it interrogation? What is it? What's Resistant, resistance to interrogation instructor. He's, yeah, I'm telling you, Paul. I'm I'm nervous for you. Really. So <laughs> just, <I'm> just <laughs> beforehand, beforehand, I was going to ring Spencer up, and I was going to set you up because I'd love to waterboard you. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly. What's for anyone listening? What what is that? What's waterboarding? Uh, I don't know, mate. Oh, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> so no I mean, idea. I, I, no I, no, not there. something I've ever come across. No, I've seen it. <laughs> um, also, um, yeah. Spencer is married to his lovely wife Sharon, and he's got two boys, Jed and Lowen. Yeah. So busy man, busy man, yeah. and. Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Spence. Oh, no, um, I fully appreciate it, mate. Really do. And just, just so you know, the, the other idea of the show is just trying to just share tools and strategies and and just stories, really. Cool. Um, so we've got a couple of questions for him, which we haven't told him we've sent him. You know, um, <laughs> So we're just going to go out, we go really at it. Go through it. So should we just kick off with the first one for us? Come on. Yeah. Mm. So, Spence, my, one of my favourite questions, I always like to yeah. ask this one, is um, so we, we, we want to get under your skin and, and learn about the man behind all them titles. Yeah. Um, and I always like to find out, you know, is any been, you know, one one between one and three books that you've ever read that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Um, you know what? I uh, I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I struggle with with um, like life changing life life improvement books, um, things like that. I, I do tend to struggle, and and um, really on reflection, I think it's. I mean, it'd probably be it'd probably be uncovered a little bit later on, but I f- sometimes feel a little bit of a fraud 
because you read about these people who have overcome ad- adversity. Um, they've been thinking outside the box. And I sometimes, maybe unfairly, compare myself to them. And, and to be honest with you, I, I use it as a bit of a tactic. I'll, 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 we'll talk about it. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But I, I just find that I can't relate to some of them. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was reading a book, came on a really a, a lot of uh, rec- recommendations uh, by a bloke called Johan Hari. I thought he was going to say about Martin Johnson. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, Johan Hari has written this book, uh, uh, and I think it's... Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Yeah. I, 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 do, know, I do know the one. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, the, um, we can't find the name of that, Spence, right. but... Go on. The thing is, this guy, Johan Hari, if you ever see him, is really quite nice to listen to. He's, he's, he's a passionate guy. He's an intelligent guy. Um, but he's had his demons, and he's gone through certain rough parts in his life. Um, so I thought, and I really enjoyed watching him and listening to the way he talks. Uh, but reading the book, I found really difficult because it appears to me that not only has he had mental health issues, quite serious mental health issues, right. but he's also... Ha, um, suffered from abuse, drug addiction, and uh, the, f- the fact that he's gay. Um, and, is and it lost connections? Lost connections, I'm sure it is, yeah, yeah. Now, he had some really interesting thing, points, to pro- po- uh, points to make, but it was all centred around him being gay and having uh, serious mental health issues um, and uh, the drug addiction thing, and I couldn't relate to that. Because I've never had a problem with drugs, and, and and I've never been gay, and and again, that's no judgment or anything like that. It's just not something that I could relate to. Mental health issues, yeah, okay, we all suffer from mental health issues from point to point, but his was quite serious, and I just couldn't get into the headspace. So to be back to the point, yeah, um, the books that I've re- uh, I've 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 got something out of um, that um, thirty mistakes to I am human thirty mistakes success <laughs> that Martin Johnson fella I, yeah. th- I thought that was quite good actually because yeah. it's succinct and to the point. Something I've been reading recently has been um, Stoic meditations. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you about Stoicism. Um, not I won't educate you, but no, my, edu- my view no, of Stoicism. No, we want we want educating because yeah. it's, not, it's not about us; it's about people listening. So right. yeah. get on it. I love this. Cool. So when you start talking about Stoicism, I've been looking into Stoicism for for quite some time now, and I've basically juggled it up and and, and dissected it into three parts, not three equal parts, three parts. So there's a third of it of Stoicism, the Stoic the Stoic philosophy that I do naturally, that I I, I practice naturally, that I just it's part of my default setting. There's another third of it that I'm thinking, wow, that's really interesting. I'd like to learn more about that and sort of apply it. And there's a third of it I don't want anything to do with. So I'm not the sort of person who will say I'm all about Stoicism because I'm not all about Stoicism. Well, interesting you mentioned that, Spence, because um, I've been recently, is it, I think, it is it Meditations by Marcus Aurelius or one of them, I forget which one it is. I've, I've just yeah, got meditations. that. I've just got that. And, all right. and I've been reading a little bit that myself. And mm. my sort of take on it, and the reason why I'm interested, I always like to ask the book question, is... Um, out on a bit of a mad, I'd never learned anything for many years and mm. hit, my, hit my 30s and I read the Chimp book and that's when yeah. me and Martin share that you like, enjoy yeah, that yeah, at yeah. a point. And that got me thinking different sparks an idea, but interesting you say, I'd read all these different personal development books, self-help mm. books, all these different things and exactly like you're saying that. And for me, interestingly, I, I read a, um, a book 
um, called the Tao, and it's like a an, a really old um, Chinese book, and linking into you know Stoicism, and mm. I'm I'm on the little path at the minute where I believe a lot of the Stoic philosophies do link into a lot of other books and other bits. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see where you go with this and yeah. educate me more. Well, I just uh, no, I, I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a great believer, and, I, and I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring that you guys might be as well, is that we're all different and therefore we have different problems, therefore we've got different solutions to those problems, but we don't know what those different solutions are until we take a little bit of everything. So sometimes we've got to actually not try and educate ourselves or nail our colours to a certain mast, but sort of have a read of it and take from it what's good for you, what you works for you, and then leave the rest alone. It's like the stoicism bit. Um, I'm, there's a, there's a great deal of it that I can I, I sort of I see um, a lot of stoicism in resilience training where when you start looking at um, things as you, I, I mean t- today before I came here I was I, I was educated on the the pig wrestling philosophy fascinating I could take a lot from that and I'm going to look into it a bit more but it's just that standing outside the pig pen and looking at it. And the thing is, there's four sides for that pig pen and you can walk around and look at it from different angles and chop it all up. So, so yeah, you, you, you can see things and, and by, with a little bit of effort, with a little bit of application, you can go, I get that, but it will, it will not serve me particularly well. So I'll, I'll put that to one side. However, this, this is magic. I can pick this up and run with this. I, I get this. We, we can work with this. So, when people sort of say Stoic philosophy um, or, or um, Chimp Paradox or Johan Hari or whatever, it's not actually buying full sale into one thing because in that one thing you might get a couple of things, but you might sort of get a little bit disillusioned because some things don't work for you and they're not supposed to because they're for somebody else, not you. Love yeah. That. What do you think on that one? Absolutely brilliant. What Spencer, how Spencer put that then because... I have read quite a few books on self-development and other things, but the one that clicked with me um, was the pig wrestling, where things clicked into place, where I could have read a book and not got a real lot out of it, but then I read the pig wrestling and it just clicked and solving problems was made easier Mm. because I did take a step back, I did look into it and then moved on and... I've read the Chimp Paradox, but then I read the smaller version of the Chimp Paradox, which is a silent, silent guard, silent guard, and I like that. Hmm. I, I like that. I thought that was really good because it was a condensed version, but it was to the point. And I think I think the interesting point, that, and, and uh, to sort of try and share some of your knowledge, you know, you've done some some fantastic work, you know, and you've got some fantastic life experience. Um, yeah. And I think interestingly, me listening to you say that, you know, it's the books. I think for me. What books have given me is it's given me context in loads of different areas. Yes. Um, mm. So it's made me rich in in areas that I haven't experienced, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big. I wasn't a big. I struggle reading with being dyslexic, mm. so I have to break it down to like videos mm. and other bits. But I think yeah. interesting what you know hearing you say that because I I would have thought prior to coming on you'd have been a big book reader, um, mm. but but linking that back, um, you you must have some amazing. Um, experiences with being in the forces around people because in your day job now just to explain to people mm. what do you do in your day job now um basically i sort of uh, deliver deliver ch- cha- training uh, experiences if you like 
on leadership and management, social psychology, behavioural psychology, mental health and resilience. Um, yeah, it's all about people. It's all about, I think it's, when, when we do the human iceberg thing, so we do this human iceberg training where uh, we start talking about um, the fact that you don't have to be a polar aquatic specialist to appreciate that when you see a, an iceberg on the water, that's a fraction of it. There's a whole lot more going on below the waterline. So um, so basically, people are hum- human beings are icebergs. So the bit you see on the on, above, the behaviours, the traits, the way they are, sometimes we have um, reactions and things. Basically, we start talking about people are different and when we start talking about diversity we're not talking about politicians version of diversity which they use to excuse all the things that they're doing i'm on about true diversity the fact that people are different and difference diversity is not good or bad or better than worse it's just different love that spence and i I think you you guys work with some of the biggest organizations in the region um I was interestingly in my former career. Um, I used to, you know, I had you guys in working with me, and I think I, we see this in the man club, don't we, Paul? In terms of um, we see people are different, and people suffer with different problems. Yeah. Um, and a big problem to someone might be a little problem to others, and, and, it's, so. and, it's, and it's and you see that. Mm. And, and I'm a big believer in ending this sort of podcast. In, in you know, in my own business, we have I, we use IT, um, and I am a big fan of IT because a lot of the things I've done because of IT. Yeah. Um, it's unleashed my potential. Um, what I love about what you guys do is you unleash human potential mm. um, and just sort of share some sort of lessons, you know, is there any sort of commonalities that you're seeing out there in terms of solving problems? Because I think leadership, and, and, you know, um, and businesses have got a big thing, big big part to play mm. um, in supporting and, and, and developing the people, um, but accepting this sort of change and this diversity. So, you know, what, what are you seeing out there at the moment? Um, there's, there's, I, I'm, I'm re- really reticent to say, uh, to, to make any, any comments on commonality, yeah. because again we are all different. So what the way I look at it is, you know what your problems are, and you know what the difficulties are of dealing with them. So do the opposite. Because that, that's that. It's, it's got to be that simple. The thing is, when we start talking about when we start talking about um, books and self help books, when we start talking about um, social psychology and behavioural psychology, have you ever tried to read? Well, I, I know I know you've got your, your dyslexia, but have you, Paul? Have you ever tried to read any any social psychology or behavioural psychology books? No. Okay. When you start, when you mentioned earlier on, you said that you started reading the Chimp Paradox and you got the Chimp Paradox light. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How did that work for you? A lot better. Yeah, right. Because the thing is, I mean, obviously I can't say unequivocally, but it's written by academics for academics. So when you're, when you're, if you're studying for a qualification, and, and I will not knock this, I won't begrudge this, but if you're studying for a qualification, then maybe it will benefit you to know that this thought process started from an idea in 18th century Austria. Yeah? But how's that going to help you use this in the real world? It's not. So this is why we start looking at simplifying things and trying to make things accessible for people. And I'm not talking about people being stupid or Mm -hmm. people not being academic or anything like that. I'm saying that when there's a problem, you have a reaction. Yeah? So how can you prepare yourself for that reaction? It needs to be accessible. It needs to be quick. Let's say for the sake of argument, you want to sort of fix a car. Um, You want to do a car service. So you'll take it to a garage, and in this garage, you'll have every bit of kit that you need. Yeah? But when you're on the side of the road and it breaks down, you've got a Leatherman tool. Yeah? 
there's only so much you can do, but it needs to be relevant to be able to make it move forward. Yep. So these tools need to be accessible and easy to use. So let's look at this in a, in a way that, you know what, this is my problem. If you can identify that problem and acknowledge that problem, then you've got halfway, th halfway to the point of fixing it. And it's got to be honest, and we'll talk about resilience, I'm sure. But it's yeah. that fact that this is the problem. I acknowledge that this is the problem. What can I do about it? Well, I know what I can't do about it. It's how I react and make it worse, because that's actually what I've been doing. So now I've got to, I've got to know how my reaction is. So what reaction can I pre-prepare for myself to not do that, to make I, it worse? I think what's really interesting, Spence, and I'm loving where this is going, um, is the piece you mentioned there about education... I, I'm a massive believer in education. I think it's got a purpose. Yeah. Um, but also, like you mentioned there, and this is where I think what you guys do at um, Transitual Performance is amazing. Um, it, it's got to be diluted. And it's like when I re I got taught to, with me being dyslexic, I used to forget a lot of the information in these books. Mm. And I did a speed reading course. And it just showed me how to extract information out of these books because it's the 80-20 principle. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that's why, like Martin's book, it took a lot of books and he condensed it into mm. swipe and deploy. And I think, that, to be honest, I'm only thinking this now, a lot of the um, learning pathways you guys do now are, are, are a continuation of that. Yeah. Really quick, actionable, I need this now, let's fix it. Mm. And I think that's where I think we need more change in terms of we do overcomplicate things as humans, don't we? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm massive for this. Um, Martin's had, held, my, held my feet to the fire on this. Yeah. Um, and I think like you're saying there is, if I was going to teach you about you know how to play football, mm. I could have a teacher for seven years and tell you when the fo football was invented or I can yeah. get on a field and play. Yeah. Um, and that's what you guys do yeah. in essence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. they go on the field and play. <laughs> but this, this, is, this is something that really does need to be understood by people is that we're not sacrificing detail for the sake of convenience. Overcomplicating things is one thing, but some people need detail. They need to understand it. It needs to be, it makes sense to them. Other people will go, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'll pick that up and I'll run with it. So it's, it's being self-aware and knowing that, you know what, I'm, I sometimes I question things. It's like for me, um, for who I am, you know, you, you guys know what Martin's like. So Martin's jumping up and down. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Are you with me? And I'm sat there stroking my chin going... I'm not sure yet. It must drive Martin barking because I'm not punching the air and whooping and hollering going, oh, yeah, come on, let's do it. It's got to make sense to me. Yeah. So I need a bit more detail and a little, little, little bit more time to align it. But when that happens, I go, yeah, I've got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I think that's what makes... Um the world a better place. Like we are all different. We've got different skills. And, yeah. um, and I think we've got to, we've got to strengthen our weaknesses um, like that. And I think one, one of the bits I, I was going to mention on that... Um, so. Paul was one of the first leaders I've ever had in my life, really, yeah. as a rugby coach. Um, and it's interesting now what we do. Sometimes I can be like, we're going there and we're doing this and boom, and Paul needs the detail. Um, but once he's got the detail, he's locked on like a bloody yeah. heat-seeking missile and we're away, <laughs> you know, with a man club and all them bits. So, yeah. so I, I completely get that. Mm. Um, I just want to jump in as well because, you know, I don't want to talk about resilience while you're on the show at some mm. point. But just to get behind that, you know, in your thinking, mm. um, go on, Paul, hit this one with him. Here we go. What is your feel-good song or music that gets you focused and makes you happy? Right. This is a difficult one for me because music is a big part of my life and I, has been for quite some time. And, um, and, and tell us more on that, though, because I, I knew this had come with you on this one. <laughs> well, no, I just... I, I mean, I've always... It's just been something... You know what? I can, I can answer that question, but my answer will explain the question as well. Have you ever heard of a bloke called Frank Turner? 
No. Right. When you, you heard if, if, I've heard if, the name, but right, if if, if you dig him out, because this is the thing is, I believe that um, you've got different music and different songs for different things in your life. So if you're happy and you want to feel sad, you'll have a downer song or downer downer genre if you like. If you want to be happy and maintain it, there'll be another one. And if you're sad and you want to be happy, there'll be so so. There's all so many permutations. Um, and I like, I, I don't think there's a genre of music that I do not like. Um, everything's got something to bring to the party. However, <laughs> the thing is, this... Now, now we're getting this, there. Yeah, this bloke called Frank Turner, he uh, is, uh, is, I suppose, even a, he's an aggressive folk singer. Right. Yeah, um, yeah uh, he defies genre. He's got his own genre, if you like. But he released an album a few years ago called uh, "England Keep My Bones," and on this on this album is a song called "I Believe." It was one of the singles. And if you watch watch a video or listen to it and listen to the listen to the lyrics, the the, the lyrics. I mean, there's loads of lyrics, but um, I, I let me get let me get this right. I believe. Um, that, ev- that everybody's got a song for every time they've lost and every time they've won, um, and we're not Great just lyric. we're not changing hearts and we're not changing souls. We're just having fun. He struggled it's, without singing it then. Yeah, didn't yeah. He? Yeah. He was down <laughs> to sing it then. Get, get going. But the thing is, when for me, this is one of those songs that makes me feel good because I'm, whatever way I'm singing it, he's sort of saying, we, "This come on," because music's everything. Music powers everything. When you start going to people who work in a factory, if you, if you, I mean, I used to work in a workshop when I was an engineer, and I liked laughing the music on in the background. And if there was an inspection on or something like that, because it was a military workshop, they turned the radio off. You couldn't have the radio on. I was lost. I couldn't focus. I couldn't do anything. But it, just that music in the background—it's a soundtrack to your life. And you can and just—I like, think it's like state management. You know, like before I used to play rugby, the rugby song or not. Yeah, yeah. If I'm stressed. There's a. I get. Well, right. well, I think he's spot on in what he says. Saturday night, um, I'm building a bar in my back way, and yeah. me and my wife was sat in there, and I had my music on. So you're in control of what music you listen to. Now, mm. I've got how many hundreds of songs on your iPad? Yeah. Right. But f- at that time. Of the evening or that time, the mood I was in, mm. you'll get a song. Then the next one will come on. You'll yeah. you'll Flick skip it, it yeah. because it's not right for that moment. Mm. And like you say, you want to be upbeat, so you'll get them. Or you'll if if you're feeling a bit down. And I totally get yeah. that. Totally get it. Love that. <clears throat> and it comes back to I think music is back to the people element. I get in it. Yeah. And, and we're away. So I'm going to check this one. This is one of my favourite ones. This one. Um, what purchase of fifty pound or less? has most positively impacted your life in the last six months. It's a tough one, that, Spence. You know what? I would love to give you a inspirational answer to that. But to be honest with you, last six months, spending 50 quid, the best 50 quid I spent was on two crates of Carl in Black Label and a packet of fags because I was going to a festival <laughs> and the money the, the, and, and the drinks at the festival are so expensive and I only had so much money. So... We'd watch the gigs that we wanted to watch, and then we'd go back to the tent, slam a couple of tins down, have a couple of tabs, and then tabs, I mean fags, not not, not yeah. drugs. <laughs> um, and then go back in. So, yeah, 50 quid buys you two packet, two crates of Carlin and a packet but, of fags. But I'm telling you, in a festival, in a field with beer, um, that is life-changing. That is, yeah. a, that's a great, that is a great use of um, 50 quid. It got me where I wanted to be. <laughs> right, next question. Do you have a lesson from a failure of yours? 
I'm a great believer in the concept of you either win or you learn. And I very rarely win. <laughs> so yeah. I learn a lot. <laughs> I learn a lot. Yeah, we're in the same boat there. Um, yeah, uh, right. When I, when I was in the military, I spent 24 years in the military doing exactly what I was to, supposed to do. I was told to do what I've got to do, yeah? While I was there, I was doing voluntary work for a local youth offending team. Have you ever heard of Gavin and Stacey? Yep. yep. Yeah, right. Well, it was in Barry. Where, <laughs> okay. where, where Gavin, right. where, yeah, because so, I was living down in What's South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so I was working for, I was doing voluntary work for the Barry Youth Offending Team. Uh, I started off as a family mediator and then I moved into the uh, into a community panel chairman. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, restorative justice, all that stuff. I really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. And and the people I was working with, the social workers, were saying, you should do this. You should you should be a social worker. And I'm thinking, that's a good idea because I'm, I'm coming to the end of my time in the military and I'm thinking about doing something else. That's really interesting. So I looked into being a social worker and you had to have a degree. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll get on a degree course. And they went, well, you, ha- you have to have the relevant qualifications to get on the degree course. So I had to do a diploma in social welfare. So I put myself through a diploma of social welfare, applied for the degree course, and got it. And I got it, so uh, the, the, the September that I started was six months before my time in the military finished. So, But the thing was, I had enough leave and things like that I could put in. So basically, I finished with the military in the August and started doing my degree Brilliant. in September. Because I'd done a, um, a, a pensionable engagement, I, w- I got a payout from the military. And me and the missus sat down and basically budgeted for three years. So she was working. I had two young kids, um, and I was basically stopping working and going full-time education. So we divvied all that up. And then I started doing my degree. Now, I won't bore you with the long story, but basically I did the first year and then canned it off. Um, And I think the reason why I did that was because I was more confident in my... My, my my integrity. So I'd done 24 years where I did everything I was supposed to do, everything I was told to do, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm in a position where there's something's happened and I do not agree with it. It goes against my sensibilities. I think it's wrong that this is happening, but I'm not in a position where I have to do, I have to do it. So I chose to vote with my feet and I left. The thing is, <laughs> I, I, I initially I thought to myself I failed my degree. But then I thought, well, no, there was a reason why that it was wrong. What they wanted you to do was wrong. So I sort of settled myself. And, and I see, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit, but I've got this sort of sunny disposition where I automatically see the good in things. And the good for me was I managed to spend a year being a house husband, a house dad. So I've got my two boys that I spent a year with. How old are the boys working. now? Um, Jed's 13 and Lauren's 11. So how old were they being then then? Um, Jed was, well, uh, Lone was just over a year old and Jed was three, four, Incredible. four years old. Incredible yeah, time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that, that moment. But the lesson, the, that's one thing. That's only one example. As I said to you before, Paul, I fail more than I succeed. Um, I, I think that uh, the position I'm in, I'm a really, really, really lucky guy to be in the position I'm in right now. To have the job I'm, I, I'm, I've got, but... And I think it was by chance that I got this job, but and I don't want to—I don't want this to sound arrogant—but I made my own luck. 
no, no, I made the choices. Been, some it, were right it, and some were wrong. It's interesting because I had, I had my notes and about speaking with me because I remember a conversation we, when we used to have little chats here and there. Yeah. When I was, I'd, I'd made a big jumper on my family myself and you saw me, didn't you? Yeah. And I remember our little chats and you'd calm me down at times and you probably didn't even realise <laughs> you was doing it. And um, for me, you said to me what was really powerful. Um, you felt you had the, you was lucky to have the job. Oh, yeah and, yeah. and just talk a little bit about that, what, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Basically, uh, casting my mind back to the uh, when I was in the military, I was doing resistance to interrogation instruction. Um, it, was, it was something that people just can't relate to. People can't sort of... It's something that people, people ask me about all the time. But the thing was, at the time, you don't broadcast it because it takes a lot of explaining what, what benefit does it give you. So it's something just didn't really sort of talk about. And then in 2014, some guy phoned me up, some fixer, uh, turned around and said, there's a bloke from Channel 4 I'd like to speak to you about resistance to interrogation. Would you like to talk to him? Yeah, all right, give him, yeah, give him my number and I'll have a chat. So it was a guy from Channel 4, put me in touch with a company called Minnow Films who produced the essay Who Dares Wins. So they basically turned around and said, well, your name's being given to us as um, somebody we can talk to about this programme that we're going to be doing, which is basically a condensed version of Special Forces Selection. Cool. All right. Um, fair enough, then. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of consulting. I'm not precious about it or anything. So we did a little bit of a consulting. Then they turned around and said, would you actually like to be part of the show? And I'm like, well, yeah, what... what what do you mean? He said, well, we need somebody to do this that you're telling us about, and we like to cut you a jib. So would you like to be part of the show? And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is something that, this is a horse that I never, never thought I'd get back on. Um, but I'm going to be on telly. Uh, yeah, all right, fair enough, we'll give it a go. What's the worst that could happen? As uh, Mr. Chow says, but did anybody die? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do you, know, do you know what I love about that, though, Spence, is, um, you know, that back to that look, yeah. Um, I think you're a character of great integrity. Um, you live your values, um, and I believe you do make your own luck. And I think, um, I think I was, I believe in paying forward. Um, you've only got back what you've paid forward. I believe. Um, well, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think, I, I do agree with you there. I'm, I'm not a, a massively academic guy. Uh, I'm not a massively clever guy where, where academia is concerned. But I do believe that, um, and I've always believed that. If you're nice to people, people are nice back to you. Um, manners are priceless, yet cost nothing. All these little, these little throwaway lines that your grandparents and your parents gave you. I just, I've always been like that. I've always greeted people with a smile and a, and you know, and look a little bit of eye contact and just be nice. People remember that, and that's one of the reasons why I got picked up to be part of the TV program to to actually be on there. I f I firmly believe. But then just fast forwarding a little bit, when we start, because um, this happened in 2014. Um, Is that and, how long the show's been on? Uh, it came on in 2015. Yep. Um, but the thing was, we I, I got approached in 2014. We filmed it early 2015 and then it went on. During that time, we were moving from South Wales to Hull. Yeah. So I was leaving a big group of people, an old job and all this, that and the other. I was basically moving up here and I know nobody up here. Um, so I remember we were we were um, I was working with some of the people Paula Cullen and uh, and a couple of others were talking about uh, this that and the other and I said oh yeah uh, I just got called by a film company called Minnow Films the the program that I filmed is coming out soon and Paula went all oh, right okay oh, that that sounds interesting and I, that was the first series 
then it all just sort of gathered speed. The thing was, while I was working at Airco, um, Martin Johnson was using the Airco Lounge to do his presentations. And we came to do a presentation, and uh, the he didn't have a flip chart. So he came into the ex, uh, the Centre of Excellence to borrow a flip chart. Now, the uh, the manager at the time was a bloke called Nigel. Martin's ex-Navy, Nigel's ex-Navy. Martin and Nigel know each other. So Martin comes over. Nigel introduces me to, to, to Martin and says, oh, this is Spence. Um, he's on the SAS Who Dares Wins programme, you know. And Martin's like, oh, yeah, OK. I sorted Martin out with a flip chart. We sort of started a relationship there and then, I suppose. And then every so often, Martin would drop me an email, and it'd usually be a sarcastic one, taking the mickey out of the Air Force, because I was in the Air Force. <laughs> and then I'd reply, sending him a meme or a, something, taking a mickey out of him being in the Navy, and then it'd go quiet a bit, and then it'd come up a bit, and then it'd be go quiet a bit. Um, and, and then uh, Martin basically turned around and said, well, I, I just think I like what you do on the TV. Uh, this is a couple of years later. I like what you do on the TV. Is that something that... We had the chat, and, 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 uh, and it turns out that start working with him. And I think what's interesting is, um, cause after, you know, I got to watch, um, I think I was with you in, in that little satellite office for a good six, eight months, I think. Yeah. I got to watch you in action. Um, <laughs> I got to see you all in the behind the scenes. Um, and it just, for me, when I'd, you know, I'd jump in little sessions now and again and get mm. little tips here and there, yeah. it just epitomised, you just seem to love what you do. Yeah. Um, and I think... I remember my mother saying that to me. If you find a job that you you love doing, yeah. you never have to work a day in your life again, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I want to talk on while we're on this, you know, point about lesson of failure, because yeah. me and Paul have some there's, there's some similarities between you and Paul, right? Um, in terms of Paul, me Paul, Paul got made redundant. Um, right. You know, eighty odd people. He's changing his career, and um, he's look. He's now building a little a new little side, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but we have this conversation about resilience, yeah. um, and I thought. What better way to teach Paul about resilience if we get the man who, has, <laughs> who, who specialises in resilience to have a conversation on it? So come on, Spence, educate us. Right. Um, I think I've got. I'm putting my glasses on now because I'm getting a bit. Of, yeah. I'm getting all official now. Look at this. He's in. Yeah, he's, in yeah. he's in zone now. Isn't he? <laughs> he's, in, he's in zone. Right. So my take on resilience is uh, is honesty. Um, I think when I did a little bit of a piece with Business Culture Hull a couple of years ago about this and, and, and a few people, it resonated with a few people who, who felt that they wanted to come up and speak to me and tell me that. Basically, uh, when we go through our lives, particularly our formative years, so we're going through school, if you think back to school, when you try something new and you failed, Basically, the messages you got from the teacher was, that's not good enough, don't do it again. And from the other kids, it's, ha ha, he's failed, da 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. So what what does that encourage you to do? Not try anything new. Not try new. anything new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And this follows on throughout our school years into our adulthood. Because how many times how many times have you been in a situation where somebody's, something's gone wrong at work? And the people who stood around go, oh, want me, want me. No, 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 not me, not me, not my problem. Blame culture. That's the thing. The thing is, if you don't take responsibility for the mistakes you make, it's not your lesson to learn. And I've, I, I believe passionately in that, that when you turn around, you make a mistake, you fess up. That was me. I'm sorry about that. Because if you've got any sort of boss or any sort of supervision, they'll turn around and go, thanks for that, man, but let's, let's focus on making this right. Not the blame. 
we, we don't want to do that. This is a problem. You've, you've just taken that responsibility for it. Great. So how's about me and you get together and fix it? Cool. So this is resilience because the thing is, uh, the, what's gone wrong and fixing it is, is not neither here nor there. The bloke who's doing it with you or the bloke who you're working for, in his head he's going, you know what, I'll talk to this guy more often because I know that when he does something wrong or when something fails, he'll put his hand up. Yep. And it's got to be appropriate. You can't just put your hand up for everything because that's, there's no credibility there. But when you do something wrong, put your hand up. People trust you. And you trust yourself because you learn from these these mistakes that make. Because we all make mistakes, we all mess up. It's not some people mess up more regularly than the others. But the thing is, you learn from it, and that lesson may be well. I know not to do that again, or I may I learn not uh, that's not how to do it. But but the thing is, there's a lesson there, and you don't repeat it. Well, that's it. As a manager, in my old job, before I got made redundant, mm. if if you'd never made a mistake, you'd never made a decision, had you? Yeah, that's it. That's I, I think that's totally. And I think though, Spence as well. You've got to see this, and I've seen this. You know, I, I, we're not taught how to be a leader or a manager. No. And the problem I had, you know, when I got Martin to help me in my former life was this academia side. Um, sending my managers away to, for three years to do a degree. Mm. Um, it just wasn't actionable and practical, and yeah. and it just just confused everybody. Um, and we had a lot of people managing by title and. And and for me, you know, my values are on the wall. Um, we own and learn from our own mistakes. Yeah. You know, I want the team to be happy about making mistakes. Now, yeah. I want us to try our hardest never to make a mistake, mm. but that's impossible. Yeah. Um, and and if we're not making mistakes, we're not bloody trying hard enough. Yeah. And you know, I think leaders, you know, I think it starts with all of us as people that all masks on and titles, but yeah. leaders have got to really encourage that because I think that's the the, the parasite of um of our generation at the minute yeah. in terms of people don't like failure do they mm. no no and when you start talking about leaders um I, I think leaders and managers are different i think i think that's that's widely on, ed, edu- now, knowing what you know now I've got educators on that because what is the difference between the two um I, I think that leaders can be managers um but i think managers not can't always be leaders uh, I think that there's, there's a number of different qualities that you've got to have, but integrity and resilience is it. Because this is this is the point I'm trying to make, or I was trying to make, is the fact that we make mistakes, we take ownership of those mistakes, and people start trusting us. I'll talk to that guy, I'll trust this guy, I want his opinion because I know that he's honest, and you trust yourself, yeah? So honesty breeds integrity, Integrity breeds, uh, sorry, honesty breeds trust. Trust breeds integrity. Integrity is something that you can you can spend all your life building and you can lose in a nanosecond. So integrity is something that you do when nobody's watching. It's not like you do something and then you go, look, 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 me, 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 over here, look what I did, look what I did. People will notice integrity. You're the quiet guy. I mean, I know we're all different and I know some people are louder and some people are quieter. But the thing is, think about this. Think about your friends, not people you know, your friends, okay? How many of your friends do you not trust? They won't be friends if they... Yeah, there you right. go, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, in, that's integrity. You want to build a relationship with this person because you trust them. You don't build relationships with people you don't trust. It's like when you start talking about managers and businesses and business owners. If you're a cutthroat person who's quite happy to cut, um, undercut people and, and you're prepared to cut corners and you're prepared to not trust your workforce and this, that and the other, 
well, you might have a couple of quid in the bank, but nobody actually respects you. Mm. Um, but the thing is, you can't take... When when you start talking, do you care about what other people think? I mean, I'd like to think that when I do go, then there might be a short period where people go, you know what, Spencer's died, I'm going to miss him because he was a good guy. Yep. Not, Spencer's died, he had a couple of quid, but he was a bit of a tube. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, that, and, yeah. that, and, that, and that, for me, and I think when you link that back as well with you guys in the army... You know, um, you guys are putting your lives on the land. You have to have trust, don't you? It's, well, uh, yeah. it's non-negotiable. That's, that's a really interesting point because you don't have to like somebody to trust them when you're in that situation. I mean, I met people that I didn't like in the forces, but I trust them as far as I can throw them because of that particular context. Uh, because I know, he's, he's, Martin says this as well, when you turn around to somebody and you, you're talking to them about um, bit, an act of bravery where they've run into machine gun fire and they've dragged injured people out and things like that, and you turn around to that person and say, what made you do that? Why did you do that? Chances are that person's going to turn around and say, because I know they'd do it for me. Not a case of, well, I'm a hero or I didn't feel fear or anything like that. It's a case of, he's my brother and I, he would have done it for me. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Um, I've got another one for you, Spencer. I'm going to yeah. chuck another one at you. Um, what is a favourite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world, um, what is it and why? Okay, sitting comfortably. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. As long as your gratitude exceeds your expectations and you observe rule number one in life, you won't go far wrong. Look at this. Do you know what rule number one in life Come is? On. Go on. With Don't it. be a dick. Oh, I love it. Oh. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you know we're talking about simple, yeah. simple, simplifying things and, and making things sort of accessible. Don't be a dick. Everything else, if you think, okay, everything else just falls into place behind that, doesn't it? You don't have to have Ten Commandments. You don't have to have um, a big a, a big manual because we don't have a manual for life, do we? We don't have an instructional yeah. manual for life. We don't have an instructional manual for uh, the problems, the issues and things like that that we run into. So, okay, I think to myself, right, okay, then, well, am I, I'm, I, you know what? I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in my belly. I've got a family that loves me. I'm quite grat- grateful for that. I expect nothing really, Um but you know what? I'm going to go through life and I'm going to treat people the way, I, the way that they want to be treated. I, me and Martin have a bit of a, a thing about this because he says you treat them how they want to be treated. Yeah, okay, but I treat people in the manner that I would like to be treated, and that's respectful and honestly, yeah? So I'll treat people respectful until they, they prove to me otherwise. But generally speaking, my default setting is I expect people to be nice and I'm a little bit disappointed when they're not nice rather than I expect every, everybody to want to put one over on me and pleasantly surprised when I meet somebody who isn't. And, yeah? I, think, and I think on that, um, it's quite interesting because I've had a bit of a debate with Mike on this as well, yeah. similar type of thing. And I think working, doing the work in the man club and doing some other bits has changed my opinion a little bit. And yeah. I, I worked with a, a guy called Dr. D. Martini, like this specialist psychologist. Oh, um, right, yeah. And he mentioned something on this, he just gave me this idea. And... What he basically, I'm a, I'm a big believer, and I have, this is one of my values, um, my own little personal values, yeah. is, is I try to respect everybody I meet and mm. treat them as I would expect to be, retreat, mm. be, be treated. Um, but at times, that value has got me into a bit of bother. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a bit older and wiser, um, because not everyone will treat me the way I expect to be treated. Yeah. Um, and the chimp book was a little bit of a difference on that because I used to get really annoyed at times when I get to train stations and, and people be grumpy and sometimes and, it, and what it was this this the, Dr. De Martini what he said is um, people have different values hmm. and what he said was a lot of people when you argue with them 
it's because you've got different values. Yeah. It's a different of values, um, different mm. of standards. And yeah. I think what the man club's taught me and linking into that bit where I, I do see it from Martin's side a little bit more now, it's that sometimes you know you can't understand what someone's going through at times. So people act and react in different ways yeah. and put masks on mm. because they might be suffering in you know with mental health or yeah. might have something in the background or mm. they might I like this word, um Sometimes we're present, and that's why I like my stoicism. We try yeah. to be present, don't we? Yeah, yeah. In the moment, um, but sometimes we get mind-led, don't we? And we mm. don't want to be dicks. I like the "don't be a dick" rule. I yeah. love that, don't we, Paul? Yeah. Um, but sometimes we can be a dick, but we don't realise we're being a dick. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that quite interesting. On that, what's, yeah. your, what's your thoughts, Paul? I, I always expect people to treat me as I like to, as I treat them, and I think. I'm a decent guy. Um, I've found out probably in the last three months that I can't be a bad guy because I got made redundant on September the 2nd after 31 years. And the people that's come out the woodwork to help me on my journey, um, Leon, uh, family, friends, even this week, I've had meetings with people who's gone out the way to help me. Mm. So... If I'd have gone through the last 30 years in my employment stroke life being a dick, yeah, there'd have been nobody there, would That they? wouldn't have happened, would it? It yeah, wouldn't yeah. have happened. And people have gone out the way to help me. Mm. And I believe that's because of the value I've had and I, I instill in others, or I try to, mm. um, and I believe that's put me in good stead um, moving forward. Yeah. And before I'd have been... Really, really apprehensive and frightened, which I'm a little bit apprehensive and nervous moving forward, mm. but I am moving forward. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I think where Leon said you've paid forward, um, I don't believe that because I believe that I do what I do. Mm. I don't expect to be paid back, but people like Leon and such as my family and friends mm. are helping me yeah. um, through this time. But it's been brilliant, and I'm I'm enjoying the process. But that's 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 the thing about um, gratitude and expectations, yeah. isn't it? You don't expect people to be helping you, but you're grateful that you, they are. Yes. Uh, and and it, and it's quite humbling, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, um, when when you actually think that there's a reason why people are doing this for you, it's because in a way you've done it for them already. So yeah. it's that paying it forward, but not actually explicitly, explicitly doing something for somebody. It's you being you. And the payoff for you being you is you've influenced other people in a positive way. So when it comes to the point where you're actually on your unkers and you're like, you know what, I'm in a situation here, there's people coming out the woodwork looking for you to help you, not you looking for other people to help mm. you. They're looking for you. It is paying forward. It is because you're grateful. You didn't expect it. No. But you're grateful for what they're doing. But in actual fact, you've earned that. And we talk mm. about resilience, Spence, and, mm. and gratitude, and I think it's quite an interesting, um, you know, it's scientifically proven now, gratitude, isn't it, as well? Um, but I think the interesting thing that me and Paul always have is, because he was my rugby coach from being like 13, 14, yeah. um, this word resilience and this 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 this, this conversation we have about um, failure, yeah. um, we failed, we was rubbish at times, um, and we got lots of things wrong as a team, but 
Paul created a band of brothers that we've got around us now, you know. And it was the guys who started the man club as well. Yeah. And Paul used to make us believe we was a brick in a wall. Yeah. And he, he made us believe we was 50 foot tall and we overachieved and we did things that we didn't think what well, shouldn't be possible, right? Yeah. So yeah. when we talk about resilience, Paul sometimes says to me, you know, how do you do the bits you do? And mm. it's what he taught me. Yeah. All I'm doing is teaching him back what he taught me. Yeah. Um, and I found that really fascinating in terms of, you know, when we talk about gratitude and mindset, and then you go mm. back to that point about we're taught, told at school we can't do things. Yeah. I think I think we can do things. We just overcomplicate things. Yeah. And I think we're conditioned and beaten to tell us that we can't do things, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, I think we get creativity beaten out of us, and I think that sometimes the uh, the situation we found... I mean, the, I've got a lot of friends who are teachers. I've got a lot of respect for people who are teachers. But at the end of the day, um, school's all about academia. There's not everybody's academic. So just because you fail at school, pe- people sometimes think you fail at life. When you actually, you just... Actually, you, that's not your life. What your life is, you're better suited to to explore other other avenues. But up to press, you haven't. That hasn't happened because people aren't aware of it. People, a lot of people, sort of go right. Okay, then. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm either going to go to school and then go to university, or I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to fail and then get a job. Well, that job has always been sold as being second place. Well, vocational isn't second place. It's just different. Some people are vocational, some people are academic, some people are creative and they'll just go out and beat their own path. What we need to do is we need the children of today to realise that there's no second place, it's the most suitable direction. And you've got to bear in mind, there's kids being born nowadays, the, the jobs they will do haven't even been, been invented yet. Mm. So the, the the world is constantly evolving. Life, people, we're all, everything's constantly evolving. So we need to be given the confidence that we can be flexible with that. And I think the interesting bit though, Spence, is, uh, and I see this in terms of school tried to, didn't they, for a long time, um, have no winning and losing. They did try that. Um, but I think I think it came across wrong. And I think, you know, when you link it back to the army, the you can't, you know, you've got to strive not to get it wrong because people's lives are on the line. Yeah. Business is the same though. You've still got to strive yeah. um, and you still need to strive to win. But I think that sort of winning and losing was beating out us a little bit. And I think we need to sort of review that different, yeah. like you're saying. Um, but I want to jump as well. Um, there's another little nugget here what we might get out of space. Yeah. Um, so obviously a lot's changed for you in the last five years. Yeah. Right? Lots yeah. changed. Um, you know, mm. um, you're flying around the world, delivering. Using was it Kuala Lumpur you were in? I was in India last week, and then last month. Uh, sorry, week before last, and then uh, Kuala Lumpur month before last. Right, right. Yeah. So, so he's, he's yeah. everywhere. Jet set, right? Jet set. Um, <laughs> and, and interesting. So, in the last five <laughs> years, what new habit or belief had the most profound effect on your life? So, what have you done in the last five, um, five years? Right. To be honest with you, um, I think basically getting this job has opened my eyes to a lot of things that I thought I knew anyway but actually was either reinforced or I had new information. When we start talking, I mean, that print profile that we do, awesome. Um, To be honest with you, there wasn't a massive amount of new information in there, but the fact that it was written down reinforced it to me, and I just sort of, yeah, okay, I get that. And and I think it's that, because when we talk about nature versus nurture, has Martin had that conversation? No, let's go. Come on, let's go. No, come right, on. okay. So so basically, when we when we sort of looking at um, 
the, the human iceberg thing and we talk about the how we behave uh, and then we, the unconscious motivators of the print are why we behave the way we behave and then where do those things come from so our sense of purpose so we start talking about nature versus nurture now this is I found this absolutely fascinating when we um, go through our life so from birth to late teens early 20s um, we get uh, influencers we get three specific sorts of influence. But before we actually get onto that, we've got to start... Because you've heard of nature versus nurture, haven't you? So people say, is it nature or is it nurture? And we say, why does it have to be one or the other? So from the research we've done, we've come up with like an 80-20 split. So it's 80% nurture, 20% nature. Just just on that, Spence, um, obviously I've heard this before and Paul's had it, but just for anyone listening, just mm. try and give them a context of nature versus, you know, like... Okay, so when, when you start talking about nature versus nurture, nature is, I was born this way. I was, yeah, I, w- I was made this way. Um, so nature is, is like, th- there's nothing that can change that. It's your DNA, it's how yeah, you are. Yeah, so nurture is basically, you're a product of your environment. So something's gone on in your life that has made you the way you are. Yeah? Yep. So so nurture, 80%, nature, 20%. So is this, so in my head, I'm just trying to think, give myself a context here. Mm. Is this like traits v skills type of thing? So you've you, you, you got natural sort of the way you are. I tell you what, hold that until I finish and go then on. come back and see, right. if, see if I've answered oh, it. So in your life, you, you nurture, your 80% is the three influences. So you've got parental influence. That's the adults in your home. Pretty straightforward if your parents are together, yeah. Sometimes people have bigger families where they've got extended families living with them, so grannies and granddads, aunties and uncles, adult members of your household. Then you've got educational influences. So this is the school you went to, the teachers you had, how they taught you, what they taught you, the people in the class with you, all these other things, yeah? All these things to do with school. And then finally, we've got societal influences, and that's everything outside the home and school. So the people you ran with, the gangs you were in, the, your mates, your muckers, if you were in cadets or scouts or you went to a youth club or, or you went to a sports club or, or whatever. The thing is, it's everything outside the home and the school. So that's 80%. And that's a big old wedge. By anybody's, uh, by anybody's sort of measurement, 80% is a big old wedge, especially compared to that 20%. But that 20% has a massive effort, a massive influence because that 20% is your nature. That is how you interpret these influences. So all these influences, you've got to bear in mind that oh, millions and millions and millions and billions of people on the earth, all the people who've gone before you, they've all, all had an effect on, the, on the, the, the subsequent generations. So you'd think about everybody thinking, well, why does that person see life differently to me? Why is it that they get stressed with this where it means nothing to me? And why is it that the thing that stresses me out means nothing to them? Because they've had these three influences and they've interpreted them differently. So we worked with um, we worked with identical twin boys from North Hull. Identical, I say boys, they're in the 30s. Um, but these boys, they had exactly, ident- identical on a genetic level. They lived in the same house at the same time, so they had the same ed- uh, parental influences. They went to the same schools in the same classes at the same time, so they had the same educational influences. And they hung out with the same kids and did the same things, so the societal influences were exactly the same. Yeah, So genetically identif- identical, influences totally identical. They got to a part of their life where the father turned around to them and said, right, boys, strap yourselves in, this is life. 
in this life, you are going to achieve nothing. You're going to go nowhere. You're going to do nothing. You're going to work in that factory over there. You're going to live on this estate. That's your life. Get used to it. So one boy basically turned around and went, oh, thanks for that. Okay, great stuff. So I know I know what how, how, how my bread's buttered. I know what my... Pa- so he left school. He married the girl he went to school, his girlfriend he went to school with. He worked in that factory. He lived four doors down from his parents, and he was happy. The other boy, when he was given this um, information, went, really? Is that the case? We'll see about that, shall we? He didn't physically say it to his dad, but this is what he felt. So... He left school, he went travelling, he came back, put himself through university, went travelling again after university, came back, started a business which failed, started another business which failed, started a third business which was really, really successful. But we can see that he's happy, but he's totally different to his brother who's genetically identical and had the same influences. He's perceived those influences different. So their lives are identical up to that point when that message was delivered and at that point they started diverging, Yeah. So we can see there that there's no right or wrong or good or bad, just different. They're both happy. Yeah. They're both happy. But the thing is, they they interpreted the messages differently. And that's what makes us different. So when we sort of realise that people are different and when we realise that different things affect different people, we stop judging them. And that's how we start rubbing along a bit better. Love that. I love like that. that. No, no. I think love that, Spence. Love this. Mm. Um, go on, kick him on this one. Let's go. Right. Knowing what you know now, <laughs> what advice would you give yourself and others at 18 and what advice should they ignore? I'm lucky, really, because I've got two younger versions of myself. I've got two younger versions of myself at home, <laughs> Jed and Lowen. Um, and generally speaking, that advice uh, is back to question five. Don't be a dick. Yeah, Um, you know, I don't even have to say it now because obviously they're kids, so their brains haven't matured the same as ours. But when the brothers, because they are brothers and they're very similar ages, they start taking lumps out of each other. They've now got to the point where one of them will overstep the mark and they'll turn around and go, rule one. Yeah, they don't, well, they don't have to say the dick word because if they say the dick word, they get in trouble with the mum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they just go rule one, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you got me there." You know, it's interesting. Um, our first rule on our board there behind you, Spence, yeah. is um, human, but under it is be real, be raw, and be radically honest. But mm. what I actually meant by that is, I want brave enough, but I'm going to speak to Scott. I think I'm going to change it. Is it, that, that's my rule. Don't be a dick. Be you know, um, he's a good one. So I'm, I'm loving that. It comes up a lot, this, doesn't it? Yeah, it um, does. I'm, going to, I'm going to jump on this one. So we all yeah. at times feel burnt out, unfocused, unenergized, overwhelmed. What do you do? Um, if easy, uh, you know, if it's easy, what sort of questions do you ask yourself? Um, it's, it's difficult to answer, really, because I tend not to get that way. I've got to, I've, if, if it gets to that stage, then I've, I'm doing something seriously wrong. Um, one thing I do do is I, um, I, 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 I apply C and C, compare and contrast with other people. Educators then? So it's basically it's a case of um, I just think about people who've got real problems. So I might just have a bit of, a, a bit of an off day or something might have gone wrong and I'm sort of sat there in the traffic thinking, I'll tell you, oh, yeah, the traffic's a trigger for me. Um, inconsiderate behaviour. Thoughtless and inconsiderate <laughs> behaviour. Yeah. However, the thing is, I'll be sat there and I'll be thinking, I'm having a really shit day today. You know, it's really, really... 
then I'll get home and I'll sit down and I'll see a TV program about somebody who has to walk 14 miles to get clean water in Africa or somebody who's got this, this genetic disease that means that they're only going to live for 18 months. Or, or There's always somebody worse off than you. And if they can get up in the morning and look in a the mirror, then bloody hell I can as I've, well. I've actually um, programmed myself now, come in here in, in the morning at 9 o'clock. It's a nightmare, isn't it? The, the traffic's <laughs> gridlocked. And I don't like traffic. I don't yeah. like sitting in traffic. So what I've started to do, I make myself a pot of coffee in my, for my car, put my favourite radio station on, and now I quite like it. I quite like it just listening with a with a cup of coffee. So I've changed it full circle where once I was getting so frustrated, now I'm quite chilled out and I don't mind. And I think I love that. It's about being present in it and trying yeah. to... I think, but it's back to that word, Spence, I think. Um, I think it's sort of a common theme um, today you mentioned mm. in his, um, that gratitude word, isn't it? Yeah. And, I, and I think that is a really, you know, really yeah. powerful bit. Have you ever heard of a pop group called The White Stripes? Yes. On the Elephant album, they've got a song called Little Acorns. Okay. Have you ever heard it? No. Listen to it. Right, okay. It's, yeah. It's, Consider the squirrel, baby. Consider it, the squirrel. Do you know what's really funny? Is um, I'm sitting here, like, every time I do these podcast spins, I know I have my notebook because my, <laughs> my brain just stops. Like, I won't remember it. Yeah. Like, it's like a sieve. So I was like, I'm thinking, I need to remember this again. But I can't oh. remember it. I can just listen to this back. Listen. Now we're going to say we're recording it for your convenience. It's all there. So, I love that. You, you go with this one. You I'll like, go with this one. like this one. I'll go with this one. Who in the world would you like to interview, past or present, and why? Um, I've been in a I've been in a really lucky position uh, over the particularly over the past five years, but but beyond that as well, I've met some really great people, and I've met some people who have achieved great things. It's not necessarily the same people. They do say never meet your heroes. Um, well, there's some people that um, I've met, and I'm really glad I met them, but I won't meet them again. Um, one question I'm very often asked is, Aunt Middleton and Foxy and Ollie and, and Billy and all that, are they really that nice? The painful answer is yes, they are. <laughs> really, really top guys. That um, I, 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 You might not remember it, but it, a big thing for me was the first time we worked with... Um, well, it, it, the situation was Aunt Middleton, actually. Uh, we worked. We did the first series, and uh, during the first series, if you watch the last episode of the first series where we're doing the interrogation, it's the first time I've interrogated somebody for a while, and I lost my voice. So, yeah, so as, as the programme progresses, if you watch it back, as the programme progresses, I get my voice gets lower and lower and lower. I sound like a, a Yorkshire Jean Reno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my me, me me voice goes... Anyway, after filming Wrapped, I actually lost my voice totally. Um, but we have a rap party, so everybody gets together and has a few beers. But I'd lost my voice. That Middleton turns up with one of these little whiteboards and a smart uh, a sharpie. <laughs> so, so we're all sat round the table having beers. And if I wanted to contribute or anything, I wrote it on the whiteboard, <laughs> the whiteboard, and 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 showed it up. Um, but the the convenient thing about that was I could go for the beers. So basically, yep. I, I wrote the order down, <laughs> walked up to the bar, showed them that they, they looked at the whiteboard, took the beers, and then I used it as a tray to take the beers back afterwards. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> but the thing is about, like, like I mean, he's same with Ollie, he's same with Billy, and he's same with Foxy as well. Aunt Middleton is one of these people that it makes you feel like the only person in the room. He gives you his full attention. And this was this is the same today as it was back then. You, If you start talking to him... It's you and him. He yeah. fully, he's fully present. He's fully engaged. He is just a genuinely, genuinely nice person. So's Foxy. So's Ollie. So's Billy. I'm going to clarify one thing though. Mm. 
he's not as big in real life as he's on telly. He looks There's a reason why he's called Ant, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, he, he, I suppose... <laughs> I suppose, I suppose <laughs> he can I, tell him that. I, I, nothing I, to do with me, this. I suppose so, it does depend on how big your telly we've is. We've got to be careful here, haven't we? Um, <laughs> we aren't getting involved with these, that way. No, um, no. Last quen- question, Spencer. Yeah. I can't believe we, we, that's an hour gone. Is it? Offer it out, gone. Crazy. Uh, mental. Um, but I do like this one. Is there anything else we should have asked you? Not really. Not really. Not really. I think you've done a really good job with these questions. It's covered all bases, and, and I think the fact that it's not that structured. Um, in, it, sorry, it's structured, but it's not that rigid. And and, and I think th- when we start talking about things like that, again, I just don't want to bore people's ears off, but we start talking about... Talk re- all this, but we, start to, we start talking about resilience. Because I, I sort of liken resilience to building houses in Japan. And people might look at me going, what are you on about? Well, Japan has, suffers from earthquakes quite a lot, yep. yeah? So when you're building a house in Japan, you've got to have it structured and, and, and rigid enough to be used as a house, but flexible enough to not fall over when there's an earthquake. So you've got to have the flexibility, but still the structure. And that's what resilience is, isn't it? It's maintaining who you are and being true to yourself but with the ability to be able to roll with the punches that life invariably deals out. And I think to wrap up on that, Spence, um, this is why he's so good at what he does. He's taken something very complicated. I said to you, he's going to talk about resilience. How is he going to explain that? Great teachers give you a context, don't they, Paul? Yep. I've thoroughly enjoyed today's podcast because I've took so much out of today. Um, Spencer? Yeah. Been an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll have you on back on soon. Um, and yeah, thank you and keep doing what you're doing. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Leon. Really, pre- really, really enjoyed it myself. Thanks, Spence. And that's um, Leon checking out. Paul checking out. And me. <laughs> <laughs> um, love that, Spence.